Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. All right, Vinny, are you ready? And when we hear that music, that is when we go to... Paul stands or it's overturned. Demount Cotton, our great producer, gets his jib on, and uh, which I somebody uh, tweeted in. By the way, uh, it's it's somebody's attitude or somebody's demeanor. I, now I totally get it, uh, and it does go back, like you said, uh, back to uh, the ship days back in the 1700s. So now I understand, and it makes all the sense in the world. So uh, kudos, uh, but. This is when Demond Cotton scours the uh, hotline and comes up with three or four or five or however many, I don't know, sports topics, hot button sports topics, uh, and couches them in such a way that we either uphold the call or overturn it. Demond, take it away. All right, Vinny, before I get into the uh, today's show, yes, can we expect now, now that you know the meaning, can we expect the cut of someone's jib? To be used in a feature in a future article here. Oh, a future article. <laughs> now you know what we try to. That's a good question. I might try to sneak it in. You know, I've tried to sneak uh, things in. Uh, there's a couple of times where it went awry early on in my career, where the editor either didn't catch something or edited it in something. There's some doozies, and off the air we'll talk about that. Why are you mentioning jibs in the paper, Vince? Yes, yeah. I've tried uh, to. I've tried <laughs> to sneak cameo in George Clinton. Like I've. Like I've. Try to throw in like references, things like that, uh, over the years that uh, invariably end up on the cutting floor. All right, Vinny. Yes, we talked about it yesterday. It's the uh-huh. story that will not will not die. This story keeps going on. There are layers that keep adding on to it. Tommy Pham. Oh, that. Okay. Yes. King of Las oh, Vegas. Yeah, I heard about he said that. Okay. he's a he's a big shark in town. He's a big fish. Yeah. I remember. The big tuna. People know about him in this city. Yes. Tommy Pham. Apparently. Hey, he did go to high school out here. I think he went to Durango. Actually. Of course he is. Then. Yes. Of course. So hey. I love that. Just say, hey, man. People know me in Vegas. He's a big baller. Yeah, he's a big baller. He's a big baller People in Vegas. People know him at the casinos. Yeah. Shouldn't be admitting that. <laughs> exactly. I, I just said, if you're a professional athlete, just you know, keep that on the download. Yes. But anywho, Tommy Pham, he's given us more breadcrumbs about this fantasy football yes. league. And you would think you could be like Tommy Pham. That's a cool name. Right. Jock Peterson. That's another cool name to just to say. He's like, who else could you add to this name from the MLB? Maybe Mike Trout. It'd be fun if he was involved somehow. Right. Guess what? Mike Trout is involved. One of the best players in baseball. Multiple-time MVP for the Anaheim Angels. I won't say Los Angeles because I know that you right. always retort. The hey. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. Talk about so, a bad jib. So now that, how does Mike <laughs> Trout involve in this story? He's the commissioner of said league or cheating, maybe, allegedly, what's going on. So now that Mike Trout's involved, there are so many angles to this story. Mike Trout, he's come out and he said, hey, I've never known a commissioner that didn't get booed. Because from what I understand, Tommy Pham called him what? Like the worst. I think he called him like the worst 
fantasy league commissioner in the history of fantasy league commissioners. But what does he expect the fantasy commissioner to do? I've never, I played in a couple of fantasy leagues. I'm not the biggest fantasy guy. Right. But I've never had something that's like, hey, I need to go talk to the commissioner of this league. Right. Like this that, is, what are you these expect, guys are taking this pretty seriously. What do you they? expect? What was Mike Trout supposed to do? Was he supposed to veto and say whichever player was Apparently. involved on the I first off, Tommy Fam, you're asking too much of Mike Trout. Right. <laughs> he's just trying to he's what does the commissioner do besides the guy that's like, hey guys, the draft's gonna be on Tuesday or the draft what do you believe really it or not, I I guess, and this is what I'm uh uh gathering from reading the story, they they actually do quite a bit. Like they're the arbitrator. They they and and Think about it. People are very competitive, whether you're in your own office, your own, um, you know, amongst your buddies, major league baseball players. Like, we're talking about almost an all-star team here. Well, definitely when you throw in Mike Trout. For him to be down the commissioner just adds so much. But go ahead. Let's. I can't wait to see what the question is here. Anyway. All right, but Tommy They're fam, taking this pretty seriously. He's taking it a little too serious for me. So is it now time? Does the call stand? Tommy Fam, shut up about it. Let it go. Does the call stand? Tommy oh, Pham just needs to shut his mouth about the fantasy completely football Completely overturned. The call is overturned. I want to see how deep this goes. I want to see the emails. You talk about John Gruden and emails. What messages are out there, Damon Cotton? You know that there's been some you-know-what talk. I mean, we already know that, uh, that, that Jock Peterson, in the midst of all this fantasy football stuff, apparently... Talked some, you know what, about Tommy Pham's team that he was playing on at the time, set the San Diego uh, uh, Padres. I mean, this is like kid stuff, number one, uh, number like high school stuff, but it's so juicy and so interesting. I want to see how deep it actually goes. Uh, I want to see the next big name that was involved, and I want to see some of these text messages or emails. Because I would imagine, as compa- for somebody to go slap somebody in an open stadium during during batting practice, for the whole everyone in the in the in the stadium could see that. You're, you can't tell me that these guys aren't taking it seriously. Like there's money involved without question. There's competitive juices flowing. Uh, there's disagreements. There's a commissioner that seems to have fallen asleep at the wheel, according to Tam, uh, Tommy Pham. There's a lot of juice to this story. I want to see how far it can go. I don't care. I, I'm done with it. We're, we're not going to get any more juice out of this story. I don't that know. This is like we, he when you say, went to bed last night, did you think that you would no, <laughs> actually No, that, that, that is good to my trust involved. You okay. know what I'm saying? But like, this is the last who, bit of the story. That, that, that it would can't get any better than this? Because the gift that's in question, he, he made fun of my team. It's some power lifters. They're trying to throw something over the head, and the item comes down on the Padres. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, whatever, when you give it up. Right. That is not something. If this is all about the league. This is all about the money. That little, oh, somebody put a gif in the group chat about your team sucking. That's what you're going to slap them about? You know what? what we, well, how about you beat them on the field, on the baseball diamond? That would clear up that. It's all about the fantasy league and the money. I'm I don't not buy ru- it for a second that Tommy Pham, he was so offended to buy a gif. I'm not ruling out that we that we may learn retroactively that some of the bean balls that we've seen, some of the guys getting getting hit by pitches, weren't the result of this. Who's to say that we're that that you know that didn't happen? Where I'm taking this into my own. I'm, next time I see Trout, he's getting one right between the eyes, or you know, I can't rule that out at this point. It's it's gone this this deep. I am so over fantasy football, Gabe. But Vinny, let's move over to okay. Destin, Florida. Destin, Florida, we've got the SEC spring meetings. Oh. oh, yeah. So you know what that means. If we got all the big horses in the SEC gathered in one place. I love that the SEC has a spring meeting, a spring league meeting, where all the top coaches 
gather to do whatever, you know, count the money basically and figure out who they're going to give it to and dole it to, what illegal recruit they're going to recruit by using that money. But go ahead, Demon Cotton. Well, Vinny. Yes. They're supposed to just be spring meetings. But this year, maybe they should just call it Fight Club because I'm not buying it that it's all just water under the bridge. Everybody released their apologies with Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. Fisher said that it's water under the bridge, I believe, that, hey, it's, you know. The whole thing's over. Yeah, it's no big thing. You know, we just took shots at each other publicly, and now it's over. I'm not buying it for one second, Vinny. I want to see, like, just, you know, get inside a conference room or something, clear out their tables, and we've got other coaches. We've got Lane Kiffin just, you know, who else is coaching in the SEC now, just in a circle of guys just like Akuma. Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly. Oh, with his fake accent. Come on now, (laughs) y'all. I don't know what's going to happen, but I just want to see every coach in the SEC circle around and just say, fight. And we just get a fight between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. I mean, you know what? It's even better if we don't see it. I just want to hear the stories about the fight so I could leave the mystery to my head about Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. So, Vinny, does the call stand that the beef is actually over? Overturned. The call is overturned. I'm going to overturn that thing like 10 times. I'm going to um, refer you back a few years ago. Remember Greg... Was it Greg Robinson, the defensive coordinator for the New Orleans Saints, uh, as part of the um, Bounty Gate? I think it was. The head coach was Sean Payton. They coached together with the Saints. And it comes come to find out uh, that there was a Bounty Gate. There were bounties being paid, uh, putting on you know other players' head. Uh, it, anyway, it led to um, a coach being banished for a couple of years. Sean Payton had to take a year off. And it turned, go ahead. Oh, that was Greg, two G's, Williams. Greg Williams, yes. One of the more interesting people I've ever had to deal with. So it caused a big undoing with the New Orleans Saints and some frayed feelings to the point where in 2016, the Rams go to the Los Angeles Rams and uh, Greg Williams was the defensive coordinator of that team, go to the uh, New Orleans to play the Saints. It was a bad Rams team and a very good Saints team. That took tremendous glee. Even when they had a big lead, they ran a double reverse pass for a touchdown, and Sean Payton, up like 30 points or so at the time, is over on the sidelines just gloating. And everyone knew in the building, including on the Rams' sideline, what was up. He was paying back a vendetta against the coach, against the defensive coordinator of the Rams, who was his defensive coordinator, who led to all this you know drama and turmoil with the Saints. Don't think for a second the next time Texas A&M and Alabama play, which, by the way, isn't it like a kickoff game or something? I don't know when they play, but it's 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 going to be obviously now especially. It was going to be a big uh, marquee game anyway. But now I'm going to have to watch. Everybody's going to have to watch because if Jimbo Fisher gets an opportunity to run it up in a major way, against Nick Saban in Alabama. He's going to take every opportunity to do that. And we're going to find out in that game how over this really is. October 8th is when that's going to happen. Mark your calendars. And we do appreciate fan interaction. So, Vinny, we've got a text from Vegas Pete. Okay. And he says, what do you think about Darvin Ham being hired as the Lakers head coach and the direction of the team? So, Vinny. Does the call stand that the Lakers made the right choice by hiring Darvin Ham? I'm not going to name drop or, you know, pat myself on the back. But I was on Los Angeles TV this past weekend talking about that very thing on uh, Going Rogan with the great Fred Rogan, although he's in Morocco with his son. 
in a basketball tournament. So uh, Mario Soto, the great Mario, uh, was the uh, the host that night. Anyway, what I said was this: I am uh, fully behind uh, Coach Ham and uh, believe that he is fully capable of coaching the Lakers and taking them where they need to get to. But what I said was, none of it matters. If Anthony Davis isn't healthy, that's been the biggest issue of all. I actually think, Demon Cotton, that the Lakers can solve the, um, uh, uh, the, the the dilemma of who the third guy is and whether Russell Westbrook can fit in. I actually think that they can figure that out to some level and make it work if they just can stay healthy. So uh, here's hoping, here's hoping uh, that Coach Ham gets a fair opportunity to coach a healthy Lakers team. And if that team does stay healthy, even if they keep Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook and LeBron and everyone else that they have on that team, I actually think is going to make a deep run in the playoffs. So, yeah, I'm, I'm behind it. But more importantly, Lakers just need to stay healthy. All right, Vinny, I don't want to press you a little too much. Yeah, but the rules of the game is, does the call stand or is it overturned? I'm starting the to not call like... call stands. You... I'm back! <laughs> oh, <laughs> I like that. No, I don't know what that was. That, that is definitely not what... That was not supposed to fire there. It, it worked somehow or some way. It still worked. Just a problem in the production booth there. You know, got to get on okay. those PAs. Got it, got it. And that concludes, does it? Come on, Cotton. It concludes the call stands or is overturned. Uh, we appreciate uh, all the help and uh, the uh, extra uh, attention from our listeners who are chiming in with questions. Anytime you want to do that, uh, we are all ears over here. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonson. You're brought to you by Tequila and Bonner, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Wednesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. I would say they were probably as just as um, responsible for that and wanting to do that because they weren't, it wasn't, wasn't a good period, you know, and um, they, they know that. I'm not going to be out there cracking a whip on that. I mean, you know, if it's not, if it's not, we're not doing the right things in a football game, there's going to be some consequences, and usually they're negative. Um, and so I think they understand the whole the concept of that. We don't play well. We don't practice well. You know, ultimately that's going to lead to bad results. So um, we're not having a very good period. It's very sloppy, lack of communication, lack some detail. Um, and so, you know, just, you know, try to get it back. And I thought they, they rallied a little bit as practice went on, um, did a better job of communicating and kind of, you know, righted themselves uh, offensively. And, you know, and sometimes that stuff can happen. That was Josh Big. Last Thursday, uh, talking after uh, a Raiders OTA practice, uh, and what he was talking about, by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur, uh, it's Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, we're live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, um, and he was talking about a sequence that happened uh, in last Thursday's practice, it was to set it all up, uh, the Raiders were in a red zone segment of practice, it was 11 on 11, so uh, first team offense against first team defense, for what that is worth at this point um, in the process. Uh, but it, w- it was sloppy uh, on the offensive side of things. And that's understandable when you think about, you know, everything that the that the Raiders are doing right now. It's such an early stage of the process. You're talking about a new offense, 
new verbiage, new play calls. Um, you know, think about it from this perspective. Derek Carr knew this offense like the back of his hand by the time, you know, last year finished up the fourth year in that offense under John Gruden. Um, and, and Greg Olson, the offensive coordinator. So he knew that thing inside and out. Now he's learning a new offense. There's going to be moments like there were last Thursday. And I know everyone wanted to talk about the penalty by Alex Leatherwood. Like that was such a big deal. Um, uh, but it really wasn't so much that. That was one part of it. Um, but more than anything, it was just a, pe- a period where you could tell that the, the Raiders were just a little off kilter. And on the particular play that resulted in the Raiders self-policing themselves and say it's time to take a lap for the offense. It was really uh, Derek Carr got to the line of scrimmage, uh, was under center, and was 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 calling out the play uh, or what you know the calling out the signals at the uh, at the line of scrimmage. Then Hunter Renfro uh, started in motion, and it just everyone was like, Look, you know, that's not it. You know, they it was it was pretty clear that they just weren't on the same page, and it had been a series of of instances in that regard. Um, and so the Raiders said. All right, enough is enough. We're going to go run a lap and think about this for a little while. And as I was watching it happen uh, in real time, I just assumed that it was, you know, Josh McDaniels or or the offensive coordinator, Mick Lombardi or whoever it was. It was one of the coaches that said, all right, enough is enough. Go take a lap and think about it uh, and come back and get everybody on the same page and, and let's get through this segment here. Uh, come to find out, it was actually policed by the players themselves. And uh, DeMond Cotton, you know, no championship was won on Thursday. And what happened, which I think was a really good thing in the whole scheme of things, doesn't necessarily guarantee that they're going to win a division championship. Uh, but I thought it was telling that um, the Raiders did that and, and conducted themselves in that manner because it tells me that there's a standard that they're trying to set, but also a standard that they're not going to deviate from. So if it gets a little sloppy, they're not just going to sweep it under the rug and move on to the next play as if nothing ever happened. They're going to condition themselves that if we're going to set a standard, we're going to adhere to it. And if we don't adhere to it, we're get, there's going to be consequences. As Josh McDaniels pointed out, Demond, in a game, that's going to mean you're going to lose the game. That's really what he's talking about. Or you're not going to be able to punch the ball over the, over the uh, uh, goal line in a red zone situation because of a penalty or a lack of communication or somebody didn't run, run the right route or somebody was out of place, whatever the case might be. You're not going to just sweep it under the rug even in May because you don't want it to happen during the game, or you want to at least manage the times that that happens during the game by holding yourself to a standard right now. Yeah, they're holding themselves to that standard, but I also think that it's important on this position group that like that is running. It is the offensive line. It is the offensive line trying to hold themselves accountable. It and wasn't I, the offensive line in that case. This wasn't the offensive no, line. No, no, in no. That's, the, that's what everyone everyone just read that I, Alex Leatherwood uh, was offsides I, and it was. Who was the position group? Then they ran these laps. It was the whole offense. It was the whole offense, but wasn't the, it was the penalty or false start? No, no, that was one part of it. That there was a series of things that happened. Well, you're there. Tell us what I've, happened. I've been. There was there were some miscommunications. There was, I'm sure, somebody ran around ran around a bad route or the wrong route, or somebody went the wrong way. One of the running backs. It was a series of things. Everyone wants to lock in on Alex Leatherwood was offsides. Oh my god, 
that was one part of a like a 15-minute segment of practice, and it was going sloppy. It was getting a little untidy is how I wrote it. And so they just said enough is enough because that's going to happen in practice. You're going to have um, you know, sometimes a segment in practice that's not as crisp, that's not as efficient, uh, and you sometimes have to work through it. So it was a series of things that happened, and it finally culminated with them saying – Stop. Let's go run a lap and and take care of it right now, right here and now. Everyone was so fixated on the Alex Leatherwood part of it that they lost the bigger picture of it. It was the entire offense that just was sloppy at that point, you know, for a couple of minutes. It had, it had been going on for a couple of minutes. And the last thing that happened, which warranted the the run, was I felt like Derek Carr and 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 uh, it, it looked like he was looking at Hunter. And Hunter may not, and I'm not blaming anybody. It's it is what it is. They're learning a new offense. There's going to be moments like this. Um, so yeah, it was collective, and it was the entire offense, not the offensive line, not the wide receivers, not the tight ends, not the running backs. The whole offense, including the players that were standing on the sidelines that weren't in that rep, took a lap. Go ahead. Well, no. Well, in that case, if everybody's going, you can't be the person that says, "Hey, I was just sitting on the side. I'm not running." You gotta, you gotta join That's in and be a part. Of, yeah, exactly. yeah, you gotta be a part of the team at that point. Right? Can't say, "Hey, man, I knew what was supposed to happen on that play, even if you weren't a part of it." No. But to me, what the point I was still going to make is that so you said they're trying to set a new standard, and they are because for me that show that shows me that the team they're acknowledging their sloppiness, and they already know it. Hey, we all know it was June now, and this was in May, but they're not where they want to be right now. Right. You know, maybe Derek Carr's got it because Josh McDaniels. You spoke about him glowingly, like, "Hey, Derek Carr, he's he's a smart guy. He's you know he's he doesn't have it all right now. No, there's no way that he does. That, maybe that he, but yeah. he's maybe he's a little bit more ahead of schedule Could than be. some people are. Yeah, but they're acknowledging that now, and that's and that's a good thing. That's something that you do want to see instead of hey, if Josh McDaniels came out in that press conference and said, "Hey, everybody, you know, hey, you know, obviously he could do a little coach speak, but we're right where we want to be." Yeah, we could see. Well, obviously, you guys could see. Hey, we're out there. This team isn't looking like a well-oiled machine, and that's fine because these are still OTAs. It's still June first, and if they're the best that they're going to be, you don't want to be peaking in June. Well, yeah, uh, no doubt about it. And and the good news is uh, there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of things going on here. Number one, when they got back after they got back, it was they they looked really good. They looked like they they settled down. They got on the same page. They were into it mentally, uh, and, and all of those uh, and all of those types of things. And number two, it was in the red zone. The red zone has been an area of problem for the Raiders. I wrote about it today. They were 29th in the NFL last year in red zone touchdown efficiency. So of the hundred percent times uh, that they that they went into the red zone, they came away with touchdowns only 49 percent of the time. That was 29th in the league. What does that tell you? It tells you that they're kicking too many field goals when they get to the red zone or just not even um, scoring points. Uh, and the goal should be score as many touchdowns as possible. And you don't want to get into the red zone and only score touchdowns on 49% of those of those trips. You want to improve that. And when you think about the Raiders were 23rd in 2021 and 22nd in 2020. So, uh, or excuse me, 2019. So it's been a it's been a spot. It's been a bad spot for the Raiders, or or not uh, as crisp a spot as it needs to be. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. There's the sloppiness. There's lack of execution. There's not being on the same page. There's guys that run the wrong route, or didn't hear the play correctly, or didn't make the right read at the line of scrimmage. There's penalties that have played into it, and in that in that segment that that we were referring to, that I was that I wrote about, there was something of all of those things. It wasn't just Alex Leatherwood's uh, penalty. It was a, it was just 
a lack of uh, efficiency, and they they were off kilter, and so they they. But the 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 bigger part of it is. Um, they didn't just sweep it under the rug and just use the excuse of, well, it's May. You know, we're just learning this new offense. There's new verbiage. Uh, there's going to be times where we're running into each other because we didn't get the right signal because that's expected at this point in the season or at this point in the process, which it is. But the good news is they weren't using that as an excuse. And here's Josh McDaniels uh, talking about that. That's what you want. You know, that's what you want, ultimately. Um, you know, I mean, I... Certainly, you know, there's there's an element of direction and, and those kind of things. But um, when they understand what the standard is and they realize that they're not living up to it, um, you know, that you know that, that means you got them, you know, thinking the right things, you know. And uh, if there's anything I can say about this group, I think they believe in, you know, themselves, their teammates, what they're doing, how they work, and, um, and they want to put their best foot forward every day. And so uh, when they don't, you know, I think they, they recognize that and they know they can do better and, and they will. Yeah, and there, there's there's going to be days like that. Uh, there's going to be days like that in training camp. There's going to be practices like that where, um, you know, not everybody's firing on all cylinders or there's just, you know, mental lapses. And there, there's always going – there is a human element uh, to all this. But the key is you don't accept it. And I'm not saying that the previous staff accepted it. I'm not saying that at all. I do think – that there were times along this Raiders journey uh, over these last four or five years where I don't think the expectations were so high that players would police themselves to this extent this early in the process. Like, I don't think, whether if you're looking at 2019, let's say, I don't think anyone really had, starting out that season, serious aspirations of going to the playoffs. You know what I'm saying, Devon? Like, there was... Um, a self-reflection there. The Raiders were just starting the rebuild 2019 where the playoffs were unrealistic. Okay. So you, you, you know that sometimes, you know that, Hey, this is where we are on our journey. We're just kind of starting out. We're just sort of laying the foundation. There'll be other days, better days ahead where there are expectations of the playoffs and beyond. Everyone can talk. Yes, we want to, you know, um, we want to go to the playoffs. We want to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, that's a noble goal, and that's what everybody plays for. But if you're being honest with yourself, not everybody really, I wouldn't say the, have the right to say that, but can realistically say that. And so, like in 2019 and 2018, when 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 this team was where it was at that point, I think I, I don't think that they would have held um, themselves to that kind of a standard because that type of a standard didn't exist. But it does now. But it's also it's not the same. It's not the same group of players. Yeah, too. Where, yeah, when maybe like let's see, um, Hunter Renfro, Derek Carr, still a part of like this team. Josh Jacobs, a part of that group. But they were, and they were rookies. Exactly. Those, so besides least, that, yeah. maybe it is the, the the fact of not even where you are. Maybe a Devontae Adams, he just has that standard, and he'll carry that wherever he Definitely. goes. Definitely. Definitely. So it, it could just be the cut of the jibs of the players that are on the team now. Well, that and when you add, I mean, you 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 don't have to be Vince Lombardi to realize when you bring a Devontae Adams into this room and you ha- into this team, and you've got Darren Waller and you've got this talent that's established right now. It raise it should raise the level of expectations because this is has the look, the feel, the numbers behind it of a potentially lethal offense that can get a team pretty far. And so, again, it being in the red zone, which has been a problem area, that's money time right there. That's when you need to. How many times have we said this, Devon? That's when you need to be at your best. You can't 
afford the you can't afford sloppy mistakes anywhere on the field. They're gonna happen though, but especially in the red zone. Yeah, seven plus three. We hear we hear people say seven instead of three. Right. You hear people say it all the time where you know, just imagine that's plus four on the scoreboard. Right. Instead of those three points. Right. And that's what people want to see this season because we all hear people say we love Daniel Carlson. Right. But we want to see less of him yes. when it comes Nothing down to the personal. red zone. Right, exactly. And you should. You want to score as many touchdowns as possible. And uh, between that and, you know, uh, and it'll be interesting to, to look at it again tomorrow. But I also felt like, um, you know, uh, in that in that same period, it was a little bit later, uh, you know, uh, into it. But there must have been I, 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 lo- I didn't count it exactly, but there were um, a, a number of in a row run plays and they just seemed to be running those plays with an intention. There was a physical intention behind those running plays. And again, that's an area of the field where your run game becomes so important. And in addition to, you know, uh, staying penalty free and carrying out your assignments and all of those things that, that play into success, being a physical run team and basically imposing your will on an opponent becomes really important. It comes down to it sometimes. And often in the last few years, uh, we've seen the Raiders not be able to execute in in short yarded situations on those third and ones and those third and twos where, um, or even on a first down in the red zone where you run it trying to get six yards or five yards, five tough yards to put yourself in a, in a good situation on second and down. You get knocked back. Uh, or you get stuffed at the line of scrimmage, and now all of a sudden it's the second and ten because you couldn't run the ball effectively right there. Uh, I am really interested to see what the run game looks like in general um, with this team, but also uh, in those in those short yarded situations and 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 short small quarter uh, situations and part of the field where being able to just tell somebody we're running the ball, you know it, we know it, um, and we're going to accomplish it because we're going to be tougher than you are. Yes, it's about executing too and scheme and all that, uh, but sometimes it just comes down to bare knuckles, we're going to impose our will. Yeah, and it's but it starts up front. Yeah. You get like because I don't think Josh Jacobs, he mentioned it like after a couple of games was like I don't know where y'all want me to go. Right. So it's going to have to start up front in this offensive line yeah. that they are like I don't want to put too much pressure on any one group, but I think this offensive line should be really be taking these OTAs, this training camp upcoming, yeah. and just say, "Hey, it's on us." Right. The fate of the season relies on us. <laughs> I don't know about the fate of the season, but a big part of it. You like, know, obviously, it could yeah, be, yeah. "Hey, you know, a, an unfortunate injury happens. Right. Like two or three of the best players on the team, yeah. throw the whole season away. Right. But when it comes to everyone's already saying, like, because all players always say, "I don't hear anything." Right. Everyone's going to say that. But if you're on this offensive line, you are hearing, hey, oh, man, these receivers, we got a three-headed monster, Renfro, Waller, Adams, Derek Carr. Right. You know, this is going to be this is going to no be doubt. one of his best seasons with the weapons around him. Patrick Graham's going to come We need to up. pick up the yes, slack. Exactly. We need to do our part is what. So, yeah, exactly. So that offensive line, they, they should be working their butts off to try to improve as much as they can. I agree, and I think it'll help. Um, and this is something that the Raiders didn't have last year. Um, again, the continuity from 2019 or from 2020 to 2021, there was no continuity. They traded Trent Brown. They traded Gabe Jackson. They traded Rodney Hudson. And in Gabe Jackson and Rodney Hudson, you're talking about two stalwarts, two anchors. Trent Brown was, I call him iffy, if he could play this week. And too often it was, no, 
Um, but but at the very least, when he was out there, he did provide a pretty high level of play. But especially in Rodney's case uh, and in Gabe's case, those were stalwarts. Those were anchors. Those were guys that you can count in game in and game out to be there. Not only did they lose that, and and by trading those guys away, they had to free up money to do other things. But then losing, um, we, we've talked about this so many times, but losing their two starting veteran guards uh, in Richie Incognito and Denzel Good just threw everything out of whack. It was already going to be a bit of a challenge getting some young players, um, you know, uh, in, in Alex Leatherwood and Andre James, uh, getting those guys up and running and playing at a, at a high level at a decent clip. But they were relying on some veterans around, in and around them to help sort of lead the way. Um, and and like I was like I was told uh, a couple of weeks ago by someone on, on on last year's staff, you know you had a center that had never played really center before, at least on a uh, in a starting uh, situation in the NFL, and guards that were weren't even supposed to be starters last year starting, and they were young starters to be to to boot. So it was just a bad situation. But hopefully for the for the Raiders and for this offensive line, there is some continuity, Demond, that's being built right now. And that they, whatever that whatever that group of five is and looks like, they're going to be able to to, to play together for, from now until wh- however long the Raiders season goes. Because I think that's going to be a big part of this as well: the continuity, chemistry, cohesiveness of a group of five playing a, 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 a lot of snaps together. They haven't had that in a while. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. <laughs> Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. All right, Devon Cotton, ESPN's latest NBA draft big board they project they project all 58 picks who do you think they have going number one the Paulo Benchero no what to the Orlando Magic Jabari Smith oh that's a good pick too I was just hoping it was going to be Chet Holmgren Chet Holmgren according to ESPN is projected to go number two to the Oklahoma City Thunder what do you got against Chet Holmgren just I'm just not buying it. Yeah. I'm not buying it. He let's definitely needs cl- to get bigger and stronger without question. The closest comp, let's say, is Porzingis, and we see how that worked out. Yeah. I mean, and and for, for, for him, I think um, injuries have definitely taken a toll. He's just not the same. He doesn't look the same physically that he looked when, you know, when he was in New York. Um yeah, I have my I have my I'm not gonna say doubts, but yeah, I'm kinda with you on that because he just it's a and and he, it's a man's game in the NBA. And and he is I mean, he is just so like it's gonna take a little he's while. Skinny. He's skinny. He, he's yes, he's he's thin, extremely skinny. Um Paolo Banchero to the Houston Rockets number three. I think that would be a steal. I like that dude's game. Um and I think that he's gonna be a star. Jaden Ivey. The Purdue uh, point guard going to the Sacramento Kings, Keegan Murray. Do you, do you know any of these guys? Oh yeah, I was I was right up there with you uh, up on Jay Ivey because I was going to say to him, 
I am so I'm not like, hey, I'm so confident about this that this guy's gonna be a bust or anything. Right. Chet Holmgren. Yeah. I think that the top three should be Smith, Banchero, and Ivy. Got it. Because I don't think I think it's gonna be almost a John Morant situation where I'm not saying that the uh, Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying the Pelicans made the wrong decision. Right. But yeah. You know, John Morant's showing some promise and no you know, pick, taking it number two. Keegan Murray, where'd he go to school? Iowa. Oh, nice. All right. Let's Dyson Daniels. Okay, you got me on that one. <laughs> the um, G League Ignite. Okay, okay, see, that's not even fair. I mean, I wasn't. I'm not checking out G League Ignite. Shade and Sharp. <laughs> that's not, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Kentucky. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'm with you, man. Benedict. Mathurin. Is this the ESPN? Yeah. Going to the New Orleans. Pelicans by way of the Lakers. The Lakers would have the eighth pick in the draft. Jeez. Um, Arizona. He went to Arizona. San Antonio Spurs at number nine, taking. Oh, you've got to know Jalen Duran. Oh, yeah. He's from Memphis. Of yeah, course. I know that exactly. one. I got you there. There you did. Know my guys. Washington Wizards, Johnny Davis. Wisconsin. There you go. New York Knicks, A.J. Griffin. We should know this. Duke guy. Duke. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, like, like, uh, okay, uh, Charlotte Hornets. Mark, how did Duke not win the NCAA championship? They've got three players projected to go in, within the third. Mark Williams, he's also Duke well because I know he was the center there. Yeah, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, Malachi Branham, Branham. I, I'm, I'm searching. Ohio State. Mm, that was not going to be my guess, but okay. <laughs> All right. Um, Number 16, Jeremy Sokan Baylor. I'm probably pronouncing that name incorrectly, too. Houston Rockets, 17. Uh, oh, I love this name. Ty Ty Washington, Jr. Auburn? Kentucky. I, I'm just, you know, uh, I think I think the one and done That's is... That's a great name, Ty Ty Washington. It is. It's great. I think the one and done is a, is, is a just and fair uh, rule. Heck, I think these guys should come out, you know, when whenever they want, you know what I'm saying, uh, to the NBA. But there, there has been some, um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because when I was younger, guys like James Worthy and Michael Jordan um, stayed at least through their junior years, you know what I'm saying? So you got a familiarity with so many, uh, so many of these players, Patrick Ewing staying at Georgetown. I'm not saying we should go back to that, but, you know, unfortunately, sometimes the, the name factor – we just we aren't we don't get that uh, anymore because these guys are coming in after one year at Kentucky or Iowa or the G League, um, so it's it's just because I'm watching the NBA so many times. Going, where did that guy come from? Yeah, he went to Arizona. He was there for one year. Oh, okay, you know, and it's just like a whole slew of guys. Every there was a guy from the UNLV, Demon, who just declared for the draft. Donovan Williams, stretch. Where's where's he projected to go? Whew, that's a guy. I could look Is that it up. a first round pick guy? Maybe, uh, uh, he's got upside though. He's got he's got upside. So if he he could probably be a late. He's got a ceiling, as they say. Yeah, every everyone does. We especially you. I hope so. At nineteen years old, but what what what, um, what are we looking? I don't at? know. We're talking about a guy six 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 seven, right? Long wingspan, jumping out the gym, reliable enough to knock down the three. This is the wing that every NBA team is searching for. Correct. You are correct about that. We saw with the Phoenix Suns, let's say a Mikael Bridges, where these guys, you're going to have a spot in the league if you're just the 6'7, 6'8 
six six wing right. that can that can play defense and knock down the corner three. Oh, you'll like this number twenty two. Pick number twenty two. The Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, the, the ESPN has Jaden Hardy going to the Memphis Grizzlies. You would love that, wouldn't you? The local kid. I would if he can. If Coronado he, High School. If he can play some defense. Is that his? Is that the? Uh, no, that, that's not. He's a he's a bucket getter. He's a playmaker. Totally. A nice six four. A nice six four hybrid guard there. But I don't think Memphis need. I don't think Memphis needs any more of that. That would be great. What does Memphis need? The question also is, what do they need, and can they find it there at that point in the draft? You know, what is it that Memphis needs besides? I think just more experience. More experience and give yeah. me just a lockdown defender. I it's Dylan Brooks. He's good. Desmond Bain. Like they're they're both just good. But I want like someone. I want a clamps guy. Somebody asked the question. It was I, I saw it on Twitter, and somebody asked the question. Um, do the do the Dallas Mavericks need to do uh, more alongside uh, Luca? And I'm like, yes, of course. That, what, was that not evident uh, during during the playoffs last year? He definitely needs some help uh, or, or around him. Like that's not a finished product with the Dallas Mavericks. I think he needs to do a little bit better job uh, staying in shape and remaining in shape. I think that that's probably his next challenge. But yeah, um, he needs more talent around him. Uh, just like I think everybody does. Like John Morant. I think that he needs a little bit more, t- right? That's not the. That's not. This is this team isn't going to win a championship without some other additions, right? Who the Memphis Grizzlies? Oh no, they could they could they could have won it all this year. They get past the um, Warriors. I don't think I don't think the Mavericks the Mavericks aren't you know beating them. I think that they would have been able to beat Phoenix. So could they have won the championship this year? I have a hundred. I one thousand. Ooh. Percent believe that the Memphis Grizzlies. I, yeah, you know it's always it's, now, easy, here's to say, the it's thing. easy to say that in hindsight. Yes, because you lose to the team that eventually went to the finals. Right, and then and then you also have to assume next year you can't you can't assume that it's that uh, the way the playoffs played out this year, especially with all these injuries, will repeat itself next year uh, as well. You got to assume that everyone's going to get. That's the other thing. You have to assume everyone's going to get better. I think the New Orleans Pelicans are the team really to keep uh, an eye on. You you, you mentioned. Uh, Zion Williamson um, was it a mistake that they that they drafted him rather than John Morant? Yeah, it looks like it right now for sure. Uh, but part of that is just that we have not seen Zion Williamson on the court. He, when he gets back on the court, maybe he erases that question. And if so, if so, I think the New Orleans Pelicans are going to be uh, certainly a team to to contend with. And I, it's not the same exact situation. But I always go back to uh, Joel Embiid with the with the Philadelphia 76ers. He just disappeared for a couple of years, you know, like literally disappeared as he got his his foot correct. And there was a question: Is he going to play? Will he ever play? Is he ever going to play to a high level? Well, that guy's an MVP candidate, you know. So that could be Zion Williamson. I think that the that the big difference there is Joel Embiid. He also had this issue a little bit, but it was hey, it's the weight. What are you doing? When you're not playing, you're talking about Zion now. Yes, yeah. That that I, Joel, he was like, oh, he's going to work himself into shape, right? But he's going to get Zion, well. The foot's going to get better. Yes, but is Zion is he going to is he going to work himself into shape? Because you've seen like, oh, he can still dunk. I don't think that he's ever going to lose those hops. Let's just those say hops he are always going to be there. But if he does work himself into shape, yeah, like like let, let's say the light goes on and he realize he realizes, okay, um, it's time to to really get serious about that and stay on top of that. If he does, and if he's in prime shape, what kind of player are we talking about with Zion Williamson, do you think? A great stats, but probably the the high your ceiling with him 
maybe a four seed. A four a four seed in the conference. Like I mean like even he, with everything that they yeah, have going everything, on. Around. Everything going right. If he's your best player, I don't see you winning the championship. Right. I, I you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I still think that there's um Something there for Zion Williamson, and I think that he's got a chance if he does get, uh, like you mentioned, uh, get it right physically. I think he has a chance to be a spectacular player and somebody that, along with a good supporting cast, might be able to make some noise uh, in the NBA playoffs. I want to say thanks, of course, to Chelsea Gray from the Las Vegas Aces. Thank you so much for joining us in the huddle. Truly a pleasure to talk to you about everything that's going on with the Aces, and that is a heck of a basketball team, 9-1, and one, best record in the WNBA, and unstoppable right now with all the weapons that they have. want to say thanks to DeMond Cotton for the great job that, uh, that uh, he did. Uh, we're going to keep track of the golf, the match that's happening uh, not too far from where we are here right now at the uh, Finley Cadillac Performance Studio uh, over at the Wynn Hotel, that beautiful golf course over there. And we were back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. And, of course, we're going to be a full report uh, from Raiders OTAs that are open in the media tomorrow. Check you guys out tomorrow. Hey, guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.